Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz 386. Oscar Lopez in the house. We've got a great show, two hours jam-packed of the Gridiron Blitz. We're going to have the return of the Salty One Mackenzie Brooks in the second hour. We're talking NFL preseason week one, kind of recapping week two. Also, ex-league insider Nate Ward in the house. And we're going to have Mark Simone in about an hour as we go to the international news from Finland and Sweden as the uh, Finland playoffs begin to take shape and towards the finals at the end of the month here. Uh, Sweden week one. We're also going to dive into the German scene in Germany. And we're going to dive in also to the U.K. scene in the United uh, Kingdom. So all that coming up. And on top of that, we have two guests uh, in the Monkey Night Fight Huddle. That would be the Kerry Walters, owner and player of the WNFC Las Vegas Silver Stars, as well as Las Vegas Silver Stars coach Dion Lee, uh, legendary coach Dion Lee in the house, as they're going to kind of tell us a little bit about what happened at the Nine Cup, plus their 2021 season and the expectations for the Silver Stars for the 2022 WNFC season. So that's going to be great, great excitement. Also, in the coming weeks, we are going to be interviewing majority of the WNFC Awards winners. Uh, and so we're going to dive into each one and their excitement for the 2021 season with their teams and also the anticipation for the 2022 season. So stay tuned for that. If you guys have missed any of our podcasts over the last uh, – four weeks. You miss out on a lot of, of the stuff that happened during the, the last four weeks. So you can replay 385 uh, last week. Big show for us. Dina Guidry and uh, Amanda Hillman uh, of the Nine Cup Champion Texas Elite Spartans. 384, we had Angelita Furman, D3 MVP plus the Grace Cooper of the Minnesota Vixens, uh, also in 384. 383, we had uh, championship coach uh, two-time championship coach Chris Garza of the Nevada Storm. Also MVP Sarah Colangelo. We also had the Boston Renegades in the house. That was Shante Bonds and Stephanie Pasquale. So if you missed any of those, you can go back and replay them on Spotify, iHeart, and Apple. So And then take advantage of just sharing it with your friends, letting them know, bring awareness to women's tackle football via our podcast. And uh, so we're pretty excited. Uh, the growth that we've had so far on Spotify, which is really awesome. Thanks for everybody that's subscribed on Spotify. Also appreciate everybody that's on uh, Apple as well as on iHeart. Uh, iHeart probably being the biggest platform that we can utilize to get engagement and reach out. So I really appreciate everybody contributing to the podcast, sharing the podcast, uh, and making people aware that women's American football does exist and it exists at a high level, especially here in the States with the WFA and the WNFC. So uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, I uh, invite you to go to Great Iron Beauty on Twitter for the latest updates on women's American football and NFL news right there on Twitter, especially for the NFL season. We'll be uh, re- retweeting and reposting and uh, getting all the insights in terms of fantasy of the NFL and everything week to week. So check it out at Great Iron Beauty on Twitter. Don't forget, like I said, subscribe to our podcast. Over 300 episodes on our uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, sign up for Monkey Night Fight. 
Use code NJF. Get a free $5 play up to a $100 match. So if you're going to play NFL, you can go to Monkey Knife Fight, use our code, get started, put in a $5 play. They'll match it up up to $100. So you put in $100, match up to $200. It becomes $200 right there. So you can play NFL if your intuition is really good with more or less and certain props. You're able to make almost triple your money if your intuition is correct. So check it out. Go to monkeyknife.com. Sponsors of our podcast. So it keeps our message of women's American football alive. So go have some fun at Monkey Knife Fight. Free $5 play up to a $100 match. Monkeyknifefight.com. You can use the code NJF. And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, I don't know where you've been. YouTube channel is pretty cool. We uh, uh, have amazing shared videos of, of women and girls playing American football globally. So you go to YouTube.com, search Gridiron Beauties, and you can get the YouTube channel right there. And if you're at Zazzle and inclined to buy anything from us from the No Joke Football Shop, go to uh, Zazzle.com, get cool T-shirts, leggings, and gifts, use daily codes, and save big at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. All right, guys, we're going to jump in really uh, soon here in a couple minutes. We're going to dive into the Las Vegas Silver Stars of the WNFC uh, Team of the Year is what they are, uh, uh, were given by the WNFC and recognized by the WNFC. So uh, congratulations to uh, both uh, uh, Kerry Walters and Coach Dion Lee. The Silver Stars, if you didn't know it, all over Las Vegas this weekend as the Raiders uh, preseason uh, season kicks off, they were at the Raiders uh, at the suite at the Allegiant Stadium. So it was really exciting. So you can go to the hub. Got to see that excitement there. They were also at the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, and they're so they're ma- making their way through Vegas to let everybody know that the WNFC is also in town. Uh, really awesome thing for them to do. I really think that that's a great initiative for them to do is to partner up with all the pro teams in the city. Uh, because at one point or another, those teams will also be migrating to them. And what better way to get fanfare if you are attached to the pro teams? Uh, basketball being really big there. Also, the Vegas, uh, Vegas Knights, they're uh, venturing into that mode too as well. So uh, it's a great initiative to have if you're a WNFC team nationwide. It's an opportunity for you to dive into minor sports, or major sports, or a college environment, and go check out a game. Go have a little bit of a of a little section for yourselves with your own apparel and all representing your team. It allows the fans to really engage and kind of question and ask, okay, what is that, or who is who are you? And it gives you an opportunity to really do some good marketing. So shout out to the Las Vegas Silver Stars for doing their part in their community as well as in the environment with the other pro teams, and that's a really good thing, especially with the Raiders in town now. The NFL is going to be a lot more impactful, a lot more visibility. Uh, as, as soon as we get all this COVID restriction, uh, you know, all these things that happen, obviously, outside of sports, as soon as we get those manageable and into a state of more norm- normal uh, state, I think it's going to benefit a lot of the teams in the WFA nationwide as well as any, uh, a lot of the teams in the WNFC in terms of marketing, in terms of awareness, and in terms of fans, average fans, uh, understanding that women's American football is played at a high level as well, just like the NFL, just like college football, uh, just like any major college, uh, you know, in terms of the JUCO leagues and stuff like that. So really awesome 
job, um, and we're going to be talking to both of them right now in a couple minutes in terms of, you know, how they're going about for 2022, how they're going to uh, engage fans to bring them to bring fans to the stands. And that's literally our theme for 2022, not just in the WNFC, but in the WFA is how do we engage fans to get them in the stands, fans to the stands. So we got to have a mentality about how we get those folks interested in our sport, interested in the local teams, uh, have a buzz about the individual players on each team, and then create some sort of attachment to that so that they can get started there. All right. There is a little bit of delay in Germany. Talk about it here in a couple minutes before we bring in um, Coach uh, uh, Kerry Walters and Coach Dion Lee. But um, Germany uh, shut down completely. There was only certain areas of Germany that are going to be allowed. So the main leagues um, are still pending based on COVID restrictions. And whether they start or not is the same kind of concern that we have, like in Mexico, with LaFi and Lexfa. And some of those restrictions have been lifted in certain states. So I don't know how it's going to work out in Mexico at this point in terms of whether we're going to have, you know, a, a certain amount of teams only in Lexfa and LaFi. But in Germany specifically, uh, the, only t- the only league or the only d- division that it's going to be playing is DBL2, DBL2 in the west and DBL2 in the southwest. So we're talking about the, uh, a couple teams. There will be a friendly coming up here on August 21st, and if you're at the Hub, you pretty much already know what's going on. So it will be the Hurricanes. Uh, they're going to be taking on the team Salzburg Ducks, and as I believe Czech Republic. So it's going to be a friendly there. The rest of the schedule slate is going to be SGSW uh, versus the Wolfpack. It's going to be uh, the Trier Stampers. We'll be taking on the Sarland Hurricanes. The Etchen uh, of, of Empires will be taking on Molchen uh, Shamrocks. So there's a couple teams in the mix in terms for the season kickoff. The season's going to kick off now, and I believe it's going to end uh, in, I believe, September or October. So that will be the, the scope of the, the um, terms of the season. So we will have a German season, but it will be in DBL2 currently, uh, we are, like I said, pending any changes. We might get DBL1 to actually launch uh, a season, but there's still no guarantee there at all. So the friendly will be on the 21st of August, uh, Curlsheim uh, Hurricanes with the combination team of Tubigen uh, Red Knights will be taking on Salzburg Ducks. So that's going to be pretty awesome to kind of to keep an eye on. So we will get details and final scores from that as soon as it ends. And we will also update uh, everything that's happening in DBL2 for the season. So it's really exciting times in Germany as some football is being played, not the full-blown season like we normally get to see. So um, that's obviously because of COVID and because of everything that's happening with the pandemic. It allows only a certain amount of freedoms. We don't know what's going to happen in Central America at this point. We have no idea if any of those teams in Honduras, El Salvador, and those areas are going to actually have a season as well. well my last um, contact sources were telling me that there is a probability, but there is no definite answer to that, just like we will, we might have a portion of Lexfa play or we might have LaFi play at this point with certain sections and even FX Mexico, depending on how things uh, go about in terms of Mexico in the, in the, in the swing. Up in Canada, there was – as it was only a temporary uh, three-game season that was put together by the Regina Riot, 
and the uh, Saskatoon Valkyries. And that was already played through. And there was a, a season there that was played through. So there's a little bit of a chaos going on uh, in Gridiron Australia. Because of the lockdowns in Australia, none of the leagues, to my knowledge at this point, I could be wrong, somebody can just message me that, but to my knowledge right now, of Gridiron Australia, will will have a season as we stand right now. And that's a shame, but unfortunately, that's how things work out in politics. That's how things work out in terms of a major pandemic like we're all dealing with um, you know, worldwide. Um, so it's a situation where once things are lifted or things are uh, somewhat less restrictive, maybe there will be opportunities there. But at this point, the fall season in Gridiron Australia, Mexico, as well as a portion of Germany, no longer are going to apply at this point. So it's a sad state of affairs there. We do have excitement in Gridiron uh, Finland as the playoffs are coming to play, and Mark Simon, uh, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark Simone will be here in an hour, and then we will talk about um, you know the finish the finish season as we're going towards the playoffs, and then we're also going to be talking diving into the uh, Sweden season as the uh, Super Series Dam gets underway, and also Division One got underway last weekend, so we'll dive into that as well, and then uh, the UK with the Baffa Woman that's also going to dive in, and we're going to talk talk about it in general in terms of what's going to come down um, in terms of the, any changes there as well for the U.K. But overall, there was one section of the U.K. that was not able to play, and I believe it's in Scotland. But it will probably be rescheduled at some point down the road. But uh, if you want to get the latest, it's right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grid iron beauties. All right, we're going to be going into the huddle right now, and we should be having, um, at this point, we're going to be talking to Kerry Walters, and as well as uh, Coach Dion Lee, and uh, and they're going to be talking about the WNFC 2021 success for them, also the honors of Team of the Year. So uh, let's see if we have. I believe we should have Coach Dion Lee uh, in the on the on the line here. So let's get him in. Let's go into the Monkey Night Fight Huddle, and then we'll get started with the Las Vegas Silver Stars. That would be Kerry Walters and Coach Dion Lee is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, uh, Coach uh, Dion Lee and Kerry Walters, you guys on the line? Yes, sir. How you doing, Kerry? I'm doing good. I am. Um, I actually last minute got invited to the Aces game, so I'm doing this just before I go in. So it's pretty exciting. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was just talking about that uh, before you came on about how you guys are uh, basically almost everywhere with the pro teams, which is really awesome to, for, for some marketing and exposure. Yeah, we're we're working any connection that supports you know women's sports, women's football especially. Um, we just happened to get lucky with the suite we were in at the Raiders game, and then we just coincidentally ended up sitting next to the Aces, and that's where I met Nikki Fargus. Uh, she's been amazing. She had us out uh, two games or two nights ago, and then now tonight. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're super excited, and we're just pushing, pushing, pushing. Carrie, uh, anticipating the award for the team and your uh, a good season for 2021. Did you anticipate that at all at the uh, award show? Absolutely not. In fact, when they said our team name, I didn't even get up. Like, I, it didn't register until one of the players that was next to me 
literally slapped me and was like, that's us. And then they started screaming. I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that was us. So, no, I had absolutely no idea. No idea. Well, well-deserved. I mean, we had talked about it before in season about the state of your team, how it was built from the ground up and how this season was a little different because of recruitment and the pandemic and everything else. So, I mean, what a, what a great honor for you to receive that, but overall for the organization to uh, get noticed by the WNFC. Yeah, I was, I made sure to, you know, thank them. They just keep, they're so supportive of us and what we're doing. You know, they talked about our growth as far as social media. They talked about our growth as far as like, um, awareness and who people are, you know, people are noticing us. And then obviously our play on the field, you know, from going 0-6 our first season um, to, you know, 4-2 and making the playoffs, um, you know, that was just, all of that happened literally within one season. So, you know, I'm super proud of the girls. We really are a football family. Like, we talk about that all the time because, you know, here we are showing up at the Aces event, 25 deep. Um, we do a lot of stuff together. And the team is bought in. So the girls go out and you know, we wear our sponsored brands. We talk about football. We hand out business cards to, you know, any female that we think looks like an athlete or even not. Like, hey, do you want to be an athlete? Everyone's an athlete. You just have to put your body in the right position. So, yeah, we're super excited. Carrie, uh, what's your, your general plan right now for the 2022 season? Is this, is this the marketing scheme that you're working with to try to hook yourself up with all the, uh, the Vegas teams with the major sports? I think it's kind of a good initiative to just hang out at some events there and have some of the players with your, obviously your merchandise and your logo. It gives the average fan in basketball, football, and hockey an idea that you obviously exist in the community. Yeah. So that's kind of our, that was our intent the whole time was kind of try to align with, you know, the local team um, and just even not even necessarily align on a sponsorship level. Cause clearly women's football isn't to the level yet. Um, that women's basketball is, but just the fact that they know who we are. And like you said, uh, Raquana Williams has been amazing. She actually wore our hat and then she retweeted or she reposted uh, one of the posts about uh, you know, our football family coming out and supporting her last game. So just that acknowledgement means a lot to the women. Cause you know, we've been doing this, Dion can tell you, we've been doing this since 2006 and this is kind of what we've been doing it for. This is the whole reason I restarted a team was because I wanted women to have the opportunity to get, you know, to, to be seen as athletes, to be seen as football players, and to be supported by other female and male athletes. All right. I, I think that that's a great initiative to go with because on a marketing level, you're really going to get that. And Vegas is huge, especially with the Raider uh, buzz. If you can get into that mode with the Raider buzz, there's a lot of, uh, you know, hardcore Raider fans that will be drawn to your type of football as well. Yeah, I mean, I have – I bought season tickets partly – well, mostly because I'm a Raiders fan since I was little, but that still was the other opportunity for me, right? Like, I make sure that all the, the Raiders players, like, I tag them. I tag the Raiders sometimes in our posts when we're talking about good hits or great plays. Uh, you know, I'm slowly trying to, like, chisel into that um, world and, and trying to get a seat at that table. Uh, Nikki Fargus just allowing us to come to the game and then announcing us during the game – uh, on one of the timeouts is, is literally the greatest thing as far as I've been associated with women's football that's happened on a team level. You know, we've never had that type of acknowledgement. We've never had that type of 
uh, recognition. And, you know, that, that in, in and of itself is a small step making, you know, for every small step you take, you're going to make a big event if you just keep moving. Sounds like a great excitement and buzz for you. I mean, I'm so happy for you and Chris and everybody else in the organization. Um, and, Carrie, you know, the, the one and out in the playoffs, we, we had an opportunity to not have that, an opportunity to go to Utah and maybe one step closer to the nine cup. But there's a couple of things that happened there that didn't make it happen. But overall, your season is such a success, especially with the playoff run. Yeah, you know, we obviously were a little bit disappointed. We went down with the plan. Uh, we just didn't execute. We didn't come out hard. Um, our our goal for 2022 is to get past that. You know, we don't want to just make it to the playoffs. We want to win games. We want to win championships. I mean, where do you go from 2021 team of the year except for 2022 national champion? So, um, you know, that's what we're working for. That's why we, you know, uh, we make sure that Dion's not leaving anytime soon. Um, so that we're bringing back the same core, and then we've been recruiting like crazy. All right. I'm going to uh, – if you got to go run, I really appreciate you making the time. I'm going to bring in the coach here, Coach Lee here, and we can just dive into him for the next couple minutes here. But, uh, Kerry, what an exciting time for you and your team. Really appreciate you. Uh, and also the fact that you're now, you know, being visible out there with, with the Raiders and the Aces. And the Aces, obviously – are just a really good, really good squad, and especially in this early season of the WNBA. So, anticipating big things for them too. I appreciate the time. I'll stay listening. So, if uh, you have any other questions, I'll chime in. I'll keep my phone muted though, so as not to interrupt the broadcast. All right, no problem. Safe travels, okay? Um, enjoy the game. Should be a pretty exciting game, uh, especially right now with the, the early season. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, let's bring in a Coach Dion Lee. Coach, uh, just talk to Carrie. She's totally excited, uh, you know, getting involved with the uh, the Aces in the WNBA, the Raiders in the NFL, which you've had a relationship before with Flag, um, and then the opportunity for this team to go further in 2022. But 2021, Coach, you coming in, making a change, her uh, starting it, you know, the year before the pandemic, and all of a sudden it's a totally different environment, a totally different team here. And um, obviously the goal is higher for 2022. Oh, yeah, definitely that, definitely that. I mean, when I saw them the first year when they were in the, in the WNFC, I wind up being a guest coach for two of the home games. And, of course, one was San Diego, one was Utah, and, of course, those were two of the better teams. But they, they had a lot of young talent. And, mind you, I never practiced with them. I just showed up at the game, next thing you know, hey, coach, we still run the same plays. And I was still learning the players and, you know, what they can and couldn't do. But we were real competitive. And then, as Carrie said, she stocked me down this year, uh, back by in Christmas time, and offered me a situation that, hey, I just want you to coach, come out here, do it, do it, do it. And as she spoke earlier as I got on the phone, I'm locked down for next year as well. So she got me for one more year before I make a move to Georgia um, to to work on some other plans that I got going on. Um, So they're going to get me for 2022, and uh, it's championship or bust. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you're you're shifting from football to other environments has never changed. You've always had that knack for it. But I, I think they're appreciative of the fact that you're able to commit one more year. The change there, Coach, the, all the changes uh-huh. that you guys did this year, really beneficial, especially in that playoff game. 
you know, a couple plays here and there, and you guys would have been going to Utah and that opportunity, obviously, to be in Dallas, but it didn't work out that way. But what do you say about the the effort at the playoff in the playoff game? Uh, you know, as a coach, I put blame on myself. We were totally prepared. Uh, I think the, the turning point of that game uh, was late in the second quarter. We're up seven to eight on the 45-yard line, our own 45, with about two minutes to go. Uh, I'm a gambler, and I gambled on the play. The running back knee hit the ground before she was, you know, before she crossed the line of scrimmage, and so we didn't make the first down. I thought that was a turning point of the game because the rebellion wind up going down and scoring right before halftime. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just me being aggressive, knowing that they were going to get the ball first in the, in the second half. So I, I really thought that was a turning point, and I blame that on myself. Uh, when I talked to the ladies uh, after the game and, uh, you know, concurrently. Uh, but that was a turning point. I thought we had a great master plan for both the Re- Rebellion and also um, the, the Falcons. So we had prepared for both teams. And uh, we gave them a run. We lost by three points. They wind up beating the Falcons by four points. So just let you know that we, we are there. We just I, – I put blame on myself for that one play. Um, but there are some other plays that, you know, as we watch film of the game, you know, there's a crucial fourth down and 13 with less than three minutes to go in the game uh, that they wind up throwing the ball. And, and we, didn't, we were in the right coverage, but they crisscrossed, and my two players went to the outside receiver, and the, the young lady that went up the seam should have been covered. And you know what? That's just part of the chess match. It's not that we didn't know what they were going to do. It's just that we didn't execute when we had to. There was another fourth down and eight play that comes that stands to mind where we had a blitz on and we had two linebackers in the backfield and Ninja just a hell of a player, uh, straight armed our linebacker who was in the backfield and wind up getting around the corner. And that was on the same drive. So, you know, how we look at it is we're close, we had a lot of rookies and we should be ready to go for twenty twenty two. The the change over in terms of the atmosphere of the franchise, it's very refreshing to have yourself as a mentor and obviously Carrie and Chris now a lot more secure in what they're, what they're doing. One additional mm-hmm. year under your belt. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of changes that happen with the organization that are all positive, which is a great sign for 2022. And you know, Coach, the Pacific has been a very tough side of the WNFC, not to take away from the Atlantic, but for the most part, you know, from year one to this year, uh, the Pacific has been really neck and neck. Every team pretty much battle tested until they got to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, with the addition of the Vira Network, we were able to see the games on Wednesday, which was great. That's something that I've been pushing since 2006. Um, one thing I love about Chris and Kerry is that not only have they learned a lot of things from me, but they also are instituting those things. And even in the first year, Institute a lot of things that we used to do to recruit. That's how they got the team going, and the numbers were up. They weren't up to the other teams' capabilities because those teams have been around for two or three years. Um, you know, I was surprised when Utah came out that year, nineteen, yeah, in nineteen to play. And you know, I've been a part of the Blitz, uh, starting their organization, part of the Jinx, and then of course came the Falcons. So when they came out with 54, 58 players, and I'm looking on the sideline, we had 22, 24. I said, oh, we in trouble, you know, because it's always about you got to have depth. Sure. So one thing that Chris, Chris and, and, and Kerry has done 
is create that. And they have taken some of the things that I had instituted with the show girls. Um, as I'm in my man cave right now, I'm looking at the very first team picture of the show girls. We have 55 players on that team in 2006, you know, so they've taken some of the energy that I had put out and now they're cultivating it into the, the silver stars. They're getting involved with the, with the Raiders, the, the aces. You know, when I started off with the silver stars, I was in with the semi-pro teams. Uh, we had a semi-pro hockey team. We had a semi-pro baseball team. So as time has gone, you know, we, the Las Vegas has become a, a new mecca for sports. So we've got a professional hockey team now. We have a professional women's basketball team. We have a professional football team. And the town is – this is a big, small town. So all you have to do is be in the right spots at the right times in this town, and you can get that hookup. You know, just like Carrie was explaining, you know, her – you know, this past weekend was great, and I tease her all the time because I'm like, oh, damn – you mean you come from the All-Star game, you come from championship weekend, then you're going to go to the, the Aces game and the Raiders game without me? Oh, I'm hurt, you know what I'm saying? But you know what? That's the hustle. And that's one thing they, that both Chris and Kerry has gotten from me was I hustled this town. And I'm not talking in the sure. bad way. I'm talking about I hustled to get the known – the fact known that my team, the Las Vegas Showgirls, were in town. We were in the newspapers. And that's some of the things that – you know, I'm talking to them now as they gotten back from championship weekend, and I got, you know, firsthand from Kerry, you know, how it went, some of the things that the WNFC is looking forward to doing, you know, and there's some great news that I'm hearing. But I just talked to her, what, today, what, Tuesday? So I talked to her, she, I want to say yesterday, <laughs> to be honest, because she's had a very busy week, and just want to sit down with her and say, hey, let's let's figure out. All these wonderful things that we got, you got the girls that believe in you, and, and you got numbers mm-hmm. already. You know, we got flag football. How can we tie that in? How can we run a, a football camp? How can we do a football league as, as uh, Las Vegas you know, Silver Stars, getting the players to come out and, and you know, have 10, 10 girls on each team? Let's see if we can get 100 girls to play in the flag football league, you know. Uh, That's something like a, real quick. Real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you, Coach, but that's something that at the WNFC owners meeting, you know, we talked about that, like having a pipeline. So the WNFC does have plans for each team to kind of figure out or align themselves with um, a flag, either organization or creating one so that the kids, you know, coming up get the opportunity to go play college flag. And then when they're done, they come out and play tackle football. Definitely that, and, and and that's what my organization, the Girls Football Association, is all about as well. I'm not going to talk about that much here on this on on this interview, but yeah, those are things that already are in the works and in the plans. And like I said, the young ladies have, you know, open minds, and they now they see because in 2006 I was speaking this out loudly about what needs to happen, and of course, Carrie was saying herself. Yeah, right, Coach. I'm just happy to be playing myself, not realizing that I'm a trailblazer. But now as they got up in age, you know, now they're starting to realize, wow, I'm 15 years in the game, and we need to get a pipeline. We need to get this. So we have the high school teams here, you know, that play flag football, and some of those young ladies who turn 18 who don't go to college might still be interested. And those are some of the things that I'm trying to tap in with Coach Walters and, and Chris, you know, Got to get out there. You got to go to some of the games. You got to you got to recognize some of the talent out there, you know. And a lot of these young ladies want to play tackle, but you know 
the school district didn't allow tackle because that was the first thing that I instituted was can we do tackle like a seven-on-seven seven, uh, rules, and they wind up going with seven-on-seven seven flag, which is even which is good because it's, 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 it's almost 4,000 girls that participate here in Las Vegas in flag football. Which is a good segue to get in because especially with the NIA, uh, especially with the initiative, like you said, you're starting the flag nationwide. There is some sort of feeder system. You know, a lot of players feel like, okay, we should have more tackle leagues, but you got Utah, Georgia, Indiana. There's a couple states already have tackle leagues, so it's just a matter of where do we get, you know, the talent to, to convert over to that environment of tackle at an earlier age. But it, it, I think it's starting to make a wave in that sense. You got Florida as, as a real hotbed. You got Texas. You got Nevada, like you said. Um, you just got to get the, some other states on board, but you should be able to kind of fluctuate that in a, in a wave where it's going to start to just grow and grow and grow. But, um, Coach, the the end result is uh, we stop there, but um, are you happy? Uh, I mean, Kerry, you guys get, get acknowledgement by the league as team of the year, which is really cool. Oh, yes. That definitely surprised me when I saw that plaque. Uh, it surprised me when I saw the plaque, but once it was announced, I wasn't surprised. To go from 0-6 and really wasn't in any of the games close as far as possibly winning, uh, to turn it around and, you know, not take anything away from the teams that we beat. But, again, you know, as I tell Kerry and Chris, I said, we're in the middle. You know, we're not as bad as the worst teams, but we're not as good as the best teams. So it, it definitely was a, a yardstick to see where, where we compete. And I thought that the last game of the season let you know that we are one of the top four teams in the country. Um, be it it's only 20 teams, but I really felt that we were still a top four team. Um, to, 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 again, to lose to the Rebellion by three um, and to, you know, for them to go to championship and beat the Falcons by four, I mean, that's, that's saying a lot for the young team. So we're ready to rock and roll. We, 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 we got a program that we're putting together, and uh, as a coach, I know we're going to be two times better with the amount of players that are returning. And that's going to be the key, just returning players coming back and, and passing it on to, to the rookies. The environment, uh, Coach, do you think that this is where you wanted to be uh, when you were back in the Showgirls? I mean, you got Riddell, you got Adidas now on a real backing for the league, the visibility with Fire Sports. Um, so there's three key elements there that are really uh, instrumental to a successful league. And I think uh, this is where Odessa really, uh, you know, with her group is really trying, trying to penetrate that factor, build the harder relationship with the, with the sponsors so that the sponsors see the value of it. And then I mean, we're a long way from getting like an NFL backing of some sort, but at the same time, it, we're building mm-hmm. that visibility and reach of uh, opportunities with, uh, you know, the weekly games and to have a full season broadcasted, in terms of the league, uh, that was that's just such a great achievement. Yeah, definitely that. I mean, I, I can hark back to 2006, 2007, when I started four quarters with Coach Lee. That was some of my criticisms of women's football, you know, is not being a brand endorser at that time. Of course, social media wasn't as big then as it is now. There was no Instagram. You know, it was barely a Facebook then, you know. So it's just a lot easier now to see 
women's football with the advent of, you know, streaming. Um, in 2006, I was paying $15,000 to film my game and then air it on local TV on Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? And that was money out of my pocket. There's been a lot of money that I spent then that are now I'm seeing the fruits of that labor and people are seeing that idea of this is what we need. So I, I'm enjoying what the league has accomplished. Uh, I've been throwing out Adidas. If you go back to my old blog talk radio show, you're going to hear the yep. uh, run see Adidas as my theme song. And it's brought to mm-hmm. you by Adidas. I was an endorser or an ambassador for Adidas. It wasn't a money situation. It was product situation, you know, but it was a start. And to see OJ, you know, I've seen her as a player. I, I coached against her when she was on the Texas team. Uh, the, the Mustangs that beat us, the showgirls here, eight to six, uh, in another league and just to see how it has progressed. I'm very happy. There's still a lot of, a lot of things that need to be done, but it's going to take a collective effort from everybody that plays the game. You know, I don't know what the situation was as far as the attendance, but as I was talking to Carrie, it's about making everybody inclusive. You know, you know, you're going to get the all-star players there you know you're going to get the championship players there but are you going to get all the other players that play what's going to be the incentive to get them to the championship so that we can have 2,500 3,500 people in the stands you know outside of you know promoting it locally you know um, you know my suggestion would be to have it in a state that offers flag football for high school make it an incentive that all the high school coaches bring their teams so that they can see women playing, that would be my next step. You know, again, I'm not a good You can't do any bigger than Texas, Coach. I think if, well, if but, I think that was a good start. You know, Texas well, is football heaven, so can't do it any yeah, bigger than Texas, but it's a good area. It it's a good fo- spot. It is football heaven, but that's, it's football heaven for the boys. You sure, got to go. Sure. There's only four states that sanction flag football as a varsity sport. The oldest mm-hmm. is Alaska. Alaska is 12 years in as a, as a varsity sport. Florida is right behind them. Nevada is the third state, and then Georgia. Those are the four states that have sanctioned flag football. So, you know, again, it's something that you have to, you have to go to where, where they are playing the sport to get sure. them to support it. And now if it's seen on viral sports and it's a packed stands, guess what? Now, now you got California people watching and say, wow, we need to have it. Because that's our push with, with Girls Football Association. We know if we can get California to sanction flag football where they got over, what, 1,200 high schools in just the Southern California area, you know what I'm saying? Um, sure. Then we know it will explode even though it's in San Francisco school district, but that's one, one section out of 11 that has flag football for girls. So, I mean, that's so a whole nother strategize in terms of the, uh, the nine cup being strategized around, like you said, the, the marketing environment, especially with the mm-hmm. flag theme, Georgia, like you're talking about Nevada. So I think, uh, you know, in the long run, things are going to pan out that way because it's, you're going to be forced to market that way, especially with uh, no feeder system in place. It, it's a better right. idea, to your point, to just go to a state that does have an excitement for flag and then introduce the tackle side of it, which is most girls watch NFL anyways with their parents. So 
So it would be right. nice to see, obviously, women play NFL-like football on mm-hmm. a large scale and at a big event. Um, I think you have to give credit to the the teams in itself, the ownerships. Uh, mm-hmm. Year one, the ownerships in the, in the WNFC, we had to eliminate two owners. I don't know if there's there will be a team eliminated in this off season, but I think that's mm-hmm. on the business side of things. That's where you know the carries and everybody else in the world have to re, uh, analyze them, their own franchises year to year to figure out whether they're you know worthy to stay in the league. And I think that that's a good measure for any uh, ownership to realize that this is not a guarantee that they have to put in the work, that they got to do their marketing, that they got to put in you know for the business in order for it to be treated that way. We, we talked about in, in the past where everything was kind of recreational mentality, but if we want to go forward with the, uh, the league being business-minded, the, the owners and those owners have to be really, truly business-minded. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what I, what I discovered back in 2006. I came in as a business owner, you know, who played mm-hmm. the sport, you know, in college, high school, and whatever. But I came in as a business owner, when I met some of the owners back in that day, it was more of if I didn't own the team, we wouldn't be able to play. So it was recreational. So I like, I like the stand that the WNFC has taken, that they're looking for owners that are going to invest, that are going to market, you know, not just players who want to play owning the team. Um, and I think that right. Chris also Kerry had, had gotten that aspect from me. You know, even though they were players, now they have an appreciation of all the, the, the BS, the work that has to be put into it, you know, to the point you can't be a player, coach, and owner because it's just too much on the table. So at some point yeah. in time, I was able to relieve some of that stress from Kerry and, and Chris by just being the coach. And they can come out there and just be the player when it's practice time. You know, but they took care of all the business part, and I love that part because that was my headache of sure. trying to promote something that everybody wasn't promoting on the same level. So you get kind of burnt out, when you, especially when you spend your money. I, I spent over over 150000 bucks of my own money over my 10 sure. years of, you know, promoting women's football as, as the showgirls. So, again, I think the appreciation of what I've done in the past is now being like, wow, I didn't realize all the headaches you had to deal with. But then when you have common owners, from what I'm hearing, like I said, I, I haven't been involved. I tried not – I'm sure I'm not involved. I just want to coach. I'm just going to coach, right? But I didn't go back to get my master's in sports management and administration for nothing. You know, over the time period that I was away from the game, for a women's game, I was in the boys' game, but I went back and got my master's. So a lot of my, my, my studies – was based on my experience in women's football. And now, I, to I, mean, I don't know if the same road's going to be taken. I mean, Carrie, I don't know if Carrie's still listening to us, but um, if it's the same road that she's going to take it in, to, in terms of, like, stepping away completely and just devoting to the franchise at this point, so that would be probably the idea to do because it's really more energy on the backside, like you're talking about, where the administrative side really demands more uh, more of that uh, focus, right? Yeah, so for me, um, I I want to play, but like Coach said, it's one of those things where something had to give, and this year it was my level of play. So I can't be 
you know, doing all the back end and behind the scenes stuff and then mm-hmm. step out and play. So in the off season, Chris and I are going to talk about, you know, how we want to move forward one more season since Coach Lee's coming back. It may be that, you know, we align ourselves with a marketing company to kind of help move the things forward because I'm in healthcare, right? Like that's my profession. I've done it for 22 sure, years. Sure. So I don't really know the first thing about, um, business and, and growing it. I know that I'm a good person and good things happen to good people, so that's why I keep grinding. And then I do it for the girls that are 7, 8, 14, 16. You know, I want them to be paid like WNBA players. I want the sport to be recognized. So, um, you know, I think that if, if Chris and I decide to play one more season, it will be because we've gotten help in all the other ownership areas. But if not, uh, yeah, I for sure will just focus on that because doing both didn't help me. Yeah, I think it's a key for it because at some point reality has to sink in. It's either you're going to sacrifice something or you're going to focus 100% on its success. And I really think that, that you know, Coach Dion Lee's key to it. Like he said, you can't juggle too many things because then you get into a problem where it's not going forward. You're actually re- retracting at some point or you're going to end up losing money. And, and the bottom line is when you're in a business sense, nobody wants to lose money. We, we all want to go forward. we got to progress where, where intake has to, has to happen. So I think that's a, a great uh, thing to do is, you know, take the year and learn one more time. But at the end of the day, like I said, you know, the WNFC had so many teams in year one, and two out of those teams, you know, they were just not a fit because management was mismanaged or the teams were not doing their part to, you know, take care of players or take care of the bottom line or structurally be a very good solid marketers. So if you're lacking true business model, I, I, I mean, I applaud the WNFC for making the hard decision to say, you know, you're not welcome into this environment because it, it, you're not going to benefit the brand. And ultimately, it's done at every level in sports. It's done in college football. It's done in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, done at every level. So when you realize that, you have to kind of retract yourself and say, i, I, I got to step out of this, you know, wanted-to-play game and really concentrate on the mission of, getting the sport aware of it, at the same time getting my team and the community to be more, uh, to generate more buzz for the franchise, which ultimately it is what it is now. It is a franchise, and I really think that's where the WNFC stands alone in itself right now is the fact that they are driven in that mentality where it is a, a true business and they do want to penetrate the sports market to where it is another avenue that fans can draw to. Yeah, they... They talk okay. about that in, you know, any anytime we have an owner's call, owner's meeting, that's what they drive home to the owners is that, you know, this isn't rec ball. Like, we're, our goal is to make it professional. Our goal is to move the brand mm-hmm. forward. You know, they talk about being our own uh, brand ambassadors. That's why I'm out here hustling, you know, going to the Aces game. I mean, I love basketball anyway, so it's, it's like a win-win. But, you know, going to the Raiders and meeting the people that we need to meet, um, you know, just really trying to get the market in the buzz because, like you said, the WNSC is a different brand. It's a, it's a different league than I've been associated with, and I appreciate, one, their support, you know, that the administration that they've brought on, you know, that they're not taking a salary. They've done so much to help me personally with our with our um, team, but also just the league in general. You know, they're, they give um, suggestions. They help with media content. They help. Um, so, you know, as far as, ownership and, and how the league is moving forward, it's definitely on a professional level that I haven't been associated with. So that piece has been, you know, really nice. 
Yeah, and Coach Dion, you, you understand that aspect of it, to your point, like you said, uh, trying to relate to uh, Kerry and Chris in, in the sense where it's got to be a focus either on one side or the other and really doing it because, to your point, you know, if you're not going to get to the next level, then why are we doing it, right? What, why are we sacrificing right. all this stuff if we're not going to be able to get to that next level? And I think reality is that. It's like the strategic plan with the flag, as you're mentioning right here, the strategic mm-hmm. plan of setting maybe the championship in certain states that obviously will create a buzz. And then the bottom line is is to market your own brand locally, which you guys are doing right now, which is an incentive to get the roster up, like you said, to, to, be, uh, to have a, a higher – roster with the bigger depth it allows you more uh, flexibility especially for a long season and also it, it helps out with the branding in terms of the, the team if the team's successful then fans will draw to success yes sir definitely that winning is everything and that's one thing that i always preached after year number two uh of of my team was do you guys want to continue to have fun or do you want to win you know winning brings fans and we 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 used to have a good little crowd for for our games. So winning is everything when it comes to marketing and promotion because everybody wants to be with a winner. And there's plenty of sponsors out there. It's just a matter of are you winning and can you get butts in the seats because they want return on investment. I don't care if they give you a hundred dollars, they're expecting a three hundred dollar return from their their ad in your book. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, it's just it's growing in a sense. I still feel that on the field, I can still go back 10 years ago, and we're probably in the same situation because we don't have that feeder system. Because, again, a lot of these women are getting their first taste of tackle football playing after they've been in college three or four years, you know, in the workforce. Now they're 28 years old, realizing, oh, I can play football. And the fact is it has to be a younger woman's sport. You know, because you want the better athletes. You want the better fit women out there as well. You know, it, it, it's the stereotypical NFL prototype player you're looking for, but they're women. You know, we, I want to see the spectacular, you know, catches and, and hard hits and hard running back and fast, you know, an ex-USC track star who runs a 10, 800 meters at running the ball. You know, I want to see that excitement. You know, and that's what the fans want to see. They're not looking for – those who are just, you know, I ain't got nothing to do, let me go out there and go play. You know, that's where it becomes recreation. And that's no disrespect to all the women who play, trust me. I'm a, a Title IX advocate. I, I love for every woman. But I'm saying from the average typical fan of football, they're looking for the hard hits. You know, you know I had some experience in the, in, in the LFL. You know, it wasn't all about looks. Those were actually – athletes that played basketball, that ran track, that, you know, played college sports mm-hmm. who still had athletic fit body. You know, don't think about the LFL when it first came out, when it was just some models and some stuff, right? I mean, I even had Carrie Walters on my team. Carrie's been with me for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And she would tell you that experience was totally different than the experience what she sees now, because they did have the fans there. We had fan action after the game. You know, yes, some guys came to the game because they were looking for TNA, but after the game, if you listen to some of the interviews of the fans, I came out here, man, these girls can ball. These girls can play. They can catch. People are amazed at what you can do. You know, don't look at the uniform. That that was my whole reason for getting into the LFL. 
is because I went to a tryout where there's 400 women trying out for 20 spots, and here I am with the showgirls. I got unlimited spots, but I'm barely getting 35 and 40 people to uh, try out. You know, that's how yeah, I got so involved. It's a real marketing mentality, to your point. It's a real marketing yeah. mentality. So you got to change the mindset on that, too, because the, the football will, to your point, the higher level of football will equate to that, and the excitement will come into play to, you know, to get the fans engaged with the players mm-hmm. and, and all that. Um, so, Kerry, so one more season for you and Chris, and then a, a, a real, real devoted uh, full-time you know, franchisee pretty much at this point. Is that what we're hearing? Yeah. For me, it might actually just be full-time franchisee. <laughs> for Chris, this is about, I won't tell you how many years younger than, I'm, I'm pretty old at this point, so, um, yeah, it, it might be, I'm done, let Chris play one more. Yeah, I, yeah, I actually have, I have fun with Carrie because, you know, my favorite movie is uh, The Longest Yard. And when my man says, uh, here with your old ass, I'm always yelling at the Carrie and Chris because they've been with me for since 2006. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I'm not going to tell you ages, but, you know, you're talking about 15 years. And as a man, I'm like, man, I played since I was six to I was 23, right? But then it started right. at, at 28 or 32 or whatever age people start at, and then to do 15 years, there's no way I'm going to put my body on the line at – in my 40s, to play football, and I'm not getting paid, you know? So that's commitment, and I love that about the women's game. It's about the commitment and the love that they have. You know, I, I want the best for them, you know what I'm saying? I have four daughters and, and two sons, so that's why I'm such a big title advocate because my daughters wanted to play. Matter of fact, my daughter was part of the first flag teams here in, in Las Vegas, and after I was coaching flag football here in Vegas, I'm throwing it out there. Soon you guys are going to get scholarships. This was 2018. And my freshmen were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what makes me so happy? I have nine freshmen that played for me, all got scholarships to play flag football somewhere else. Congratulations, Coach Dion. Look at you. Yeah. Look yeah. at you. Awesome. And those parents come to me cause, because, again, a lot of parents – put their money and dollars into sports that have college opportunities, volleyball, soccer. Right. So, so for me to convince these athletes who play soccer to come and play flag football in the wintertime, and now they're getting flag football scholarships, they're like, that was a blessing in disguise. You know what I'm saying? But you got to put it out there, you got to believe it, and then you got to live it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's true. All that that we're talking about is really what needs to happen before for us to move to the next level and to get the visibility that we need. Carrie, I'll, I'll just gonna let you know you're in healthcare. Uh, you don't need to be playing football and getting bagged up to Coach's point here. You just need to just get regrouped and refreshed. <laughs> uh, but you, you probably know as well as I do, the game is addictive. And every time I swear I'm done, I end up getting sucked back in. So it's just one of those things that, you're right, though. It does take a toll. I'm not, you know, 25. I'm not 35 anymore, so things hurt a little longer. I need to ice a little bit longer. Um, but I love the sport so much, and I have so much knowledge that I I spend most of my practice time just being the player coach, um, and that's what I really enjoy. Yeah, being a teacher is a, a little bit more uh, rewarding than it is to maybe play on the field because it's more like self-rewarding. But if you can, you know, gather some 
some momentum in that on the other side of it, I, I think it's going to be more beneficial long term for you, and in terms of a business sense as well, and in, also in terms of just you yourself as a you know kind of like a uplifting individual that's giving opportunities to other people. So that's that's the bottom line. Is you know we're all here for the same goal is to just bring awareness to the sport and making sure that the sport grows to a professional state so that all these girls and women get an opportunity to, you know, to get paid to play and, and, and be at a professional level and recognized for their excellence in that sense. Um, all right. So, uh, Carrie, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go because I know you, you want to have some fun. So um, thank you for making the time. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the Aces game. They're playing good ball so far. Um, and as a betting guy, you know, go Las Vegas. Cause <laughs> I do have some players on there. I, I do. I do appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you always reaching out and the support. Um, it doesn't go unnoticed. So uh, again, thank you for your time and allowing us to come on and talk about the sport we love. All right, Carrie. Thank you. Enjoy the game. Okay. Thanks. All right. So, Coach. Uh, yeah. Um, she didn't invite you to the Aces game, by the way. <laughs> Just kidding. You know what? That's okay. You know what? We 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 gonna have a long talk. You know, the summer's wrapping up. <laughs> You know, but again, I, I love Carrie to death. She's one of the first young ladies that participated with me. She wasn't at the very first practice of the showgirls, but she came the following week, you know, and she's believed in me. She's believed in even when we had a split from my team to another team uh, because some people were disgruntled, she stuck it out with me, you know, and she she just grinded with me, and that's my number one. Well, I mean, you know, beyond- I don't know about you, but that's pretty. That's that's a lot of loyalty there, man. That's pretty good. I, I know. And she wasn't going to play. She's like, Coach, I'm going to be sorry after being, you know, two points away from being in the championship to have to start fresh with a whole rookie team, you know, that following year. We came back with 35 new players, and then her and two other veterans stayed with me. Uh, we were competitive, but we, 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 we didn't win. You know what I'm saying? So she stuck it out, and I love her for that. And like I said, that's why I came back. You know, she didn't have to get on her knees. She said, look, Coach, I need you. I need you bad. We got some good-ass players out here. And I wouldn't call you if we were sorry. So I went out, you know, to two practices just to watch from the sidelines. And I saw a lot of potential uh, with the rookies. And I was like, you know what? It's like a blank canvas. i do it. So let's get it done. Yeah, I know you'll get it done. Um, it's, you've had success almost at every level, including the LFL, and that was an excitement, exciting time there too with the with the sin. But uh, you know what? I, I think it's a, a credit to you to you know contribute back to this franchise and this franchise getting one step closer to the nine cup. It was just one step, and you right there you're fighting for a berth to Texas. So what an exciting season for Las Vegas, the Silver Stars, and the group in itself, and. Uh, you know, uh, once again, I wanted to bring you on just to give you your your uh, accolades as well for team of the year mm-hmm. and coach of that team of the year. What an honor for you and Carrie and and the whole the whole squad, basically. Oh yeah, definitely. That, that's definitely a team award. You know, I, I like to shout out to all the ladies that played, who who believed in what we were doing. You know, you know that's why I love the ultimate game of football because you you can have a superstar, you can't win. But you can have a bunch of just average players, and if they come together, you know, look at look at what Tom Brady done with the with with New England Patriots. They don't have a star, you know, field roster, but they play together as a team, you know. And um, the Bucks was the best team he's been on as far as talent was concerned, in my eyes. 
Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, it just that's why I love this game because it takes more than one person to to really make the team go. You know, and that's what we did. We had a balanced offense. We had a, a, a good defense. Very inexperienced. Uh, I think we we started nine rookies on our defense. Uh, we started seven rookies on offense. So you can see the the the, the steps that we can take if they commit themselves to the off season, which Carrie has a great great program she's, she's putting in place. And I will be back out there in January. So she's going to take care. Her and Chris is going to take care of the off season, which is now until to after New Year's, and then after New Year's, I'll be making my 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 stands are coming out there and getting us ready for our March debut or April debut, whenever the season starts. I just need I just need two months. Yeah, no, I think you'll get it done. Uh, you you've always been driven. You've always had that passion to educate and to get everybody up to speed. And I think it showed in this season with the, the turnaround from the first year to the to this this past year. Uh, I really mm-hmm. think Las Vegas can be a, a force to be reckoned with in 2022 in the Pacific Division. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of teams are going to have to take notice that, like you said, you know, you're building some sort of stable franchise that you want to be relevant uh, in a situation where you want to go towards that playoff state every year on a yearly basis, and you deserve the spot, like you said, at, at the championship because that's where you that's where the ultimate goal is. Um, well, uh, Dion, before I let you go, got Fleet TV still out there, right? So if you if just the fans don't know. Still have yeah, out there. yeah, people don't know that I did 25 years in the music industry prior to me even being out there with the with the showgirls in 2006. So I am a little older, you know, 51 to be honest. But I started early, and so I started up a streaming network uh, that concentrates on independent films, uh, independent bands, and comedians uh, as one of my networks. But I wind up turning. Fleetly TV, Flea is my nickname. It stands for Filling Life Through Entertainment and Art, live to everyone, everywhere. That's the acronym for Fleetly TV. Um, but I've also merged with four other streaming networks that I actually run all four of them now. So there, it is, there's some bright things coming in the future. I just got back from my vacay, uh, vacation and went to Atlanta. Uh, that's why I'm going out there to live. Uh, I just have a lot more opportunities out there to build a major network or streaming network uh, that would encompass sports. It would encompass um, feature films, independent films, shorts, web series, uh, major concerts by major artists that we've all grown up with, as well as independent artists that are going to be the next big thing. So we, I'm excited about that. It's, just a, it's a, you know, a new, a new, a new niche in my, in my daily life. Uh, I was 15 years removed from the music industry. I come back during the pandemic. A lot of my artists that I worked with back in the day reached out to me over the pandemic, early in the pandemic, and was asking me, because I'm a marketing genius for, for music. I've worked with every artist you can probably think of from 1983 to 2007. If you can think of them, Ejonder, I'll, I'll probably work with them in some form or fashion. Even Weird Al Yankovic is one of my buddies. That's a fact right there, just to let you know. <laughs> that is a, that is a true fact. Whoever's listening to us didn't know that, and some of the, <laughs> the, the younger generation is going to know who is that guy, but we know that guy. We're in the yeah. same age group. So. Yeah, definitely. That's why people say, wait a minute, you work with Weird Al Yankovic with, with Edith? Yep. 
and and uh, not Gangster Paradise. He did Homer's Paradise. Uh, I work with Sir Mix a lot. I work with Bismarcky. I work with NWA when they first got started because I'm I'm born and raised in Compton, so that was our era. I know those guys personally. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that people don't know about me outside of my so, football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people are going to say, what have you not done? That's literally exactly. the question. <laughs> you know what? And believe it or not, I don't spill my story because it seems to be unbelievable. Uh, sure. So they say, wait a minute, how could you do all that and, 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 and stuff? It's, that's what it was in L.A. I've been a part of sure. hip-hop since I was 12. I was a DJ back in the day and was on the hottest radio station in L.A. called KDAY, 1580 K-Day. And... So I work with Brandy. I mean, again, I'm not being braggadocious. It's just that that was my true life. I came back to football because that's my true passion, and that's why I had the attitude that I had in 2006 when I started the women's football team in Vegas because I was actually supposed to invest my money into the L.A. Amazons because uh, that was one of my buddies as well, Coach Duncan. And I said, man, I'm moving to L.A. I'm moving to Las Vegas. I'm going to start my own team. I'm going to give you money in L.A., and I live in Vegas. So that's how I got in it, and that's why I was a business owner first. You know, coaching what I do because my dad was a coach, so I'm a son of a coach. You know what I'm saying? So I've been cutting film, 16-millimeter film, since I was five, where when it broke, I was the one who taped that up. So that's why I have the mentality that I don't have to rewind the tape because my dad was a perfectionist as a coach at Dominguez High School in Compton, California, because the tape will break. The video, I mean the films, and so you better have it memorized in your head before that film breaks, and you got to tape it up, and then you might miss the play because you got to cut cut some stuff out, you know. So when Carrie and them asked me like, "How do you know?" It's because I was trained in the old-fashioned way, you know. I didn't have sure. a huddle, I didn't have anything that would break it down, you know. what I'm saying where you can put in all the plays and then they give you the analytics of, oh, they run right twenty-eight percent of the time. No. You just have to know those things, and you know it's just yeah. Memorization, memorization was a big key in the, uh, in the old days. You had to really have retention, self retention, yeah. because you didn't have the like you said the the tools that we have now, which is a lot yeah. more. People think it's frustrating now, but you, when you sit there at our age and you're like, oh, this is a piece of cake, <laughs> to what I used to do before. This is simple. You mean tell me that the computer's yeah. going to tell me everything, and then I do my own analysis, and I come back, and I'm just as sharp as the computer was, you know? Yeah. And I, I think other coaches don't like me because I be calling plays before the play even start. And the girls, on, uh, the women on the team are like, Coach, how do you know? It's just tendencies. It's little things on the film that you can find out when, who's pulling, how, if it's a mm-hmm. running pass by the receivers coming out the huddle, you know, when it's a pass, if they all excited, they're going to come out all shaking their hand and do whatever, you know, fixing their gloves. When it's a run, they come out the huddle all half-assed. You, you know, it's, it's the personal things of, of seeing in, in the small details because I haven't had luxury of having a full coaching staff. People sure. don't realize that majority of my teams that I've coached, especially in the women's football, has been me. You know, yeah, and it's it's been it's kind of refreshing to have, uh, you know, a three or four man coaching staff now as a volunteer staff because yeah. it's really more beneficial because now it's position based and you can get more 
uh, product productivity on a in terms of a practice instead of one mm-hmm. person like you said trying to maneuver everything at the practice and trying to get everybody up to speed. So yeah, it's a it's a totally different ball game now. But I think the WNFC will evolve hopefully into the state. Um, I think so far in two years, I think they've done some good things. Uh, we're still crawling to your you know to your point. We're not at that marketing yeah. level where we're visible, but we're still crawling. So it really helps that. You know, you have an actual commitment network that's going to broadcast your games, and you have a streaming service that is obviously going to do a weekly, uh, you know, blitz mentality. So it really is a benefit to, you know, to the players because I don't think they – the younger players, in other words, I don't think they see, you know, the big deal out of it. But if, you know, the 15- to 20-year player that's still playing, they obviously have seen the evolution. Yes, they have. And that's the exciting part. And that's why I said it has to be inclusive – you know, I look at it this way. you got 5,000 women who play. If each of those 5,000 women just sent, you know, got 10 people, now you're looking at 50,000 people that have become fans. You know, it's really that yep. simple. It comes to numbers, you know. Oh, yeah. You don't have to have 100,000 fans or friends. If we can just be that simple and say, hey, you know, I know 10 people that will come to the game or watch the game on TV. And if everybody can commit that 10, that 20, that 25 – that's how we got to build this thing. And like I was telling you earlier, I said, hey, you got a bunch of coaches here in Vegas, but you got to offer them some kind of stipend, like, you know, gas money. Because everybody, you know, you get what you pay for. If you get a sure. coach who, who's out there volunteering, you know, the priority of them coming to practice or coming to the game might be overlooked because they got other obligations. So, you know, I told her, get to high schools. You know, high schools are getting about $2,000, and that ain't nothing you know, to coach high school, if you can sure. do something around 1500 to 2000 and times five, so raise the money for because, your coaching staff. Dion, because yeah. like you said, it's an incentive for growth. So you got to have that. If you want to grow, yeah. you want to be impactful, it's an incentive for growth. All right, uh, Dion, thank you for making the time. Always informative, always entertaining. I really appreciate you always coming on and, and making that happen and uh, continued success in your other endeavors. But uh, I just wanted to bring you and carry on to give you your, your attaboy for team of the year for the uh, amazing season that was 2021 for the Las Vegas Silver Stars, a competitive season, and uh, one round in the playoffs. And I think uh, we're going to, to your point, next season, you're going to see a, a different team that is now going to, you know, set their sights on the nine cup. Yes, sir. That's what we're going to do, Oscar. And thank you very much for your platform. Thank you very much for inviting us. And uh, I look forward to all your other shows that come before this and after this because it's people like you that help make this game what it is. You know, you're putting your time and your energy in. You know, you're not getting paid by no particular league or no particular person, but you're going out there and you're going to be an ambassador. You know what I'm saying? You're going to do I'm getting brownies and cookies once in a while, but it's all worth it. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm going to send you a Coke and a smile. How about that? I'm going to put that go. in the middle. <laughs> All right, then, you have a great one, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Dion, uh, continue success. Uh, uh, hopefully everything works out in Georgia because uh, I know you're up, up and up, and you're doing a great thing, so keep it going. All right, you guys, uh, that was uh, Coach Dion Lee, legendary Coach Dion Lee uh, with – IWFL coach, uh, LFL coach, WFA coach, and he's done a lot. Uh, Flea TV, Flea Lee TV, check it out right there. Just uh, Google it. You'll be right there and get it done. Streaming service, really awesome things happening there. 
Um, let's go into talking more women's football because what else are we going to do, right, on this uh, Tuesday night? And let's bring in AKA backseat coach Mark Simone in the house. Mark, how's it going? Oh, it's great, man. It was really awesome to hear uh, from uh, Coach Lee. Uh, I think uh, uh, we're all roughly the same age, I think, uh, the three of us, um, and we all had lives before we got involved in women's football. So it was just very interesting to hear his his story and where he's coming from. So I really enjoyed that. Well, you know, Mark, uh, you know Coach Lee. I know Coach Lee. We've met. I've met him personally uh, at, ver- at various times in my career uh, at the, you know, in Las Vegas and other places. But uh, uh, I don't know what he drinks, but he's a go-go bunny <laughs> all <laughs> the time. <laughs> That's true. I mean, Not, I, he's on the caffeine, I guess. I don't know what he's got, but. Uh, might be some Red Bulls or something, but he's always on the go. And he's very creative. Um, you know, he's got a, a lot of stuff going on besides the uh, the girls' flag and his organization. And on top of that, he's moving to Georgia now with his other endeavors with the music industry and the TV platform that he's got going on. And the success, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I don't think uh, Las Vegas would have been at the stage in the WNFC in, in this past season and getting that deep in the playoffs. Huge turnaround for them, 0-6, and, and to come back and almost, uh, you know, one step closer to the uh, uh, Pacific Final is pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, definitely very impressive. Uh, it was an eye-opening uh, year for the Silver Stars. Uh, certainly, uh, Coach Lee has, uh, has a lot to be proud of in, in, in his participation and in helping bring that team along. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's just, he's just been a force uh, in the Las Vegas area for, for many, many years, uh, certainly in women's football, but, uh, you know, as you mentioned, in all these other arenas, the girls' football, um, basketball as well, I believe. And, um, and it seems like he's, uh, he's taking his skills now uh, elsewhere. So I wish him luck. Yeah, he's been doing great. Um, he's got his platform going for a couple of years now, especially with this pandemic. And like he mentioned there is, Everything has worked out for him. So, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be continue to be blessed, right? Because that's all we need. We need some uh, good good things and good vibes going on, especially with everything going on in the world. And this whole pandemic is still an issue for everyone uh, nationwide, plus globally. So hopefully, you know, things will open up and then we get back to some normalcy, just talking sports and regular life. Um, so let's, let's go into the international scene, um, Mark. So uh, Finland... We got the we're, – we're coming into playoff mode here. Um, shout out to my girl, uh, Ellie Mazzola, out of the Loyal Linuses. Uh, what a turnaround season for her, too. Her team didn't do too well uh, in 2019, but now in 2021, uh, they take care of business. They took care of 58-0 against Helsinki. They were up 34-0 in the first half. So defensively, they have played a very good season so far, and now they uh, are eyeing the playoffs. So they're going to be, I think, taking on the Northern Lights. Uh, once uh, because they got a forfeit next week where the team's not going to play. So technically they're going to be going right into the playoffs, which is awesome for her. But uh, what do you say of the Lionesses turnaround? This is a really good team, uh, competitive, and now they they get an opportunity to try to go into this playoff mode. Northern Lights, pretty tough team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, although there's still one week left in the regular season, uh, the uh, playoff picture is set for Division One over in Finland. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, uh, 
the Lionesses will be taking on the Northern Lights, who were the top team in Block One. Uh, so the, the two top te- the, the top teams in the in the two blocks face the number two team in the opposite block. So it's the mm-hmm. Northern Lights, the Lionesses, and uh, Block Two's top team, the Eagles, will be facing the Saints. Uh, so throughout the season, the two blocks they don't they don't have any like interconference games. So these teams have not met each other at all this season, which I think makes the semifinals really pretty interesting. Um, so you've got you know you've got teams that that haven't had a matchup during the season squaring off, and uh, so it, it's it's awesome. Uh, the, the Lionesses are four and one on the season. They're facing Northern Lights, who are five and zero. Oh. Um, over uh, in the other uh, semifinal, the, the Eagles were the top in block two with five wins and no losses, and the Saints uh, finished out at four and two. Um, so things are set there in yeah, Finland. Have, and wait a couple more weeks to see those games. To have Ole Davis and, uh, and Becky Martin also as, as a benefit. So Coda, uh, Coda Eagles really... Um, you know, benefited from having those two players on their squad, and that's why they're undefeated, pretty much good contributors there. So um, you're going to have, I think, the final week you were talking about, it's going to be really uh, Roosters, Helsinki, uh, which is basically a round-robin, you know, the battle for third and fourth place, technically. And then you're going to have Northern Lights taking on Wassa Royals, which uh, Wassa really, uh, if they win, they have an opportunity to kind of just squeeze themselves in, if anything. But overall, I think the playoffs, like to your point, the playoffs are pretty much set. Yes, uh, it is. And uh, the finals are on September 9th. The semifinal winners will square off. So that's not too far away. Just a few weeks. Yeah, and it's going to be uh, uh, two to, uh, four teams, really competitive. Tampiri, uh downgraded from last year from Maple League to this, this season. And so... You, you have an opportunity. I think they lost to Northern Lights 26 to 13. Uh, they were up a seven to six at the half, but then they just kind of just couldn't keep it together. So 26 13 was the week nine result there. Week 10 we'll have Helsinki uh, Blue taking on Roosters, uh, and then uh, we'll also have Northern Lights taking on Wassa Royals. On the other in the top in the top tier league, uh, Mark uh, Turco has just been more dif- no different than the Boston Renegades. They have just, uh, from week one all the way down almost to the finish here, they, they have been the top team. Yeah, yeah, they pretty much dominate in every game. Um, they have scored 167 points and given up only 13 on the season. So that's a huge, obviously a huge differential. Um, so the Trojans are definitely in the driver's seat as, as far as uh, their playoff position goes. So they're going to see a bye in the first week of the playoffs. And the number two and number three team are going to be squaring off in that semifinal. Um, and right now, that looks like it's going to be the Bouncers and the, the Wolverines. Uh, quite interestingly, those two teams squared off last weekend. And uh, Mark, I believe Emma Yarn and Nika Nikander, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Janika uh, Nikander are back from Germany. And what a difference that makes because Helsinki puts up 27-6 and, and knocks off the bouncers on a loss. 
which uh, the, the, not the same. Without them, the, the, the Helsinki Gold was not the same squad this season, and there you go, two players added onto the roster, and what do you do? You, big difference. Yeah, it's amazing, right? I, I think going in, uh, just from the outsider's perspective, this looked like the bouncer's game to win, right? Helsinki mm-hmm. hasn't – they haven't been themselves, the Wolverines, this year, right? Very, very different team. Um, you know, they had won the Maple League four years in a row and were going for their, their fifth, and they just weren't the same, same team. Uh, and, you know, they were missing, as you say, missing uh, several players – and you're right, getting some of those players back made a, a huge difference. And I, I think the difference, um, you know, uh, on, uh, on defense was um, really eye-popping to just hold mm-hmm. the bouncers to only six points. Uh, that's, that's saying something. Uh, and the bouncers, you know, they put points up on the board this season. They have uh, 122 total points, and um, they only put six up in this game. No, and it, it, it makes a big difference when these you got two talented players, uh, multi-time all-stars. They come back and contribute to your squad, and I think uh, that was a big game changer. And if you're if you're into this week six, uh, Mark, uh, if you're the bouncers, you cannot afford to, to to lose to Turku because given the influx of excitement this week against you know uh, the bouncers, there's no there's no doubt for me that Helsinki will go ahead and take care of West Coast, and there we go. We have a three-three three, three, three tie, and the point differential is going to be the difference. All right, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not sure how much seeding uh, here in this semifinal is going to, going to um, play into it, but um, the likely contenders in, in the semifinal matchup are the Bouncers and the Wolverines, and they just met, and the Wolverines just – mop the floor with the bouncers. So bouncers can't be feeling too good, especially, you know, heading into uh, a, a final uh, regular season matchup with, with Turku. Um, so, you know, it, it would seem that the Wolverines drive to win five Maple uh, League championships in a row is, is still alive. Their chances are looking better than they were just a week ago. Yeah, and the addition and the return of those players from Germany just tells you a lot about Helsinki all season and all of a sudden two weeks before the season ends, and here we go. What do you get? You get, you know, the all-stars coming back onto the group and the big difference maker right there. Shut down, you know, keep you to under a touchdown. And, I mean, the benefits right there. So I think uh, Helsinki should punch in that win against West Coast and ultimately – the bouncers have to put up a better fight against uh, Turku, uh, Leah Kozlai and company there. And it's going to be a, a battle of three and three. And then I don't know if, you know, based on the points, if the um, Helsinki gold puts up, a, you know, a route mentality and um, the bouncers get limited by Turku, that could be the difference between maybe Helsinki returning to defend their title. Yeah, it could. Um, um, it's and this is this is what's exciting about the Maple League, right? Even though there's only four teams in that top tier, it, it can get really interesting. And the season changes; it really changes as it goes along. So, I'm quite excited to um, to to see the outcomes of these matchups. 
All right. So we go to Sweden, week one. Uh, the Super the Super Series Dams uh, uh, schedule is week one this coming weekend. Horrible Black Knights will be taking on Karlstad, uh, champion Karlstad Crusaders. Uh, unfortunately, Gabby Nobbs will be with the Karlstad uh, Crusaders, but uh, Sydney Green will not return to quarterback the Karlstad uh, uh, Crusaders looking for a three-peat uh, for this season. Uh, but they do get the addition of one more team into the mix, which is uh, the Norcopen Spartans, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, they, up, they get upgraded from the uh, Division One to the Super Series Dam, and I think that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, three uh, full season with the three teams uh, really neck and neck every week. So uh, on the 14th, Stockholm did win uh, in Division One. If you go Division One nor- uh, North and South, Division One. Uh, 20 to zero, uh, you get to see the talented ML Lackers Savados right there uh, at the hub uh, from the Mean Machines on a great offensive touchdown run right there against North Copeland Panthers, uh, and that's week one of the Northern Division in Sweden. And then on the Southern side, the first week was played on August 8th, and that was Copenhagen 20 to nine over Gothenburg Marvels. Uh, this coming last week was 50 to zero. Gothenburg rebounds after that loss to Copenhagen. And then coming up week three here, it'll be Gothenburg against Copenhagen one more time in a rematch. So I'm assuming the Marvels, Mark, would really like to get the win against Copenhagen after that 20-9 to loss in the first week. Absolutely. You want to get off, off to Schneid, um, taking a loss in week one. Um, they'll have their work cut out for them. Um, but, you know, the, the season is early, so there's a lot of football ahead. Yeah, and then uh, in Division One, Stockholm will take on Vesteras Roosters. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the Roosters. Uh, uh, Vesteras uh, Ro- I'm sorry, I say Roosters. It's Rotors, Rotiers. I can't even say that right. Rotiers. Um, so <laughs> Stockholm Mean Machines against Vestera Rotiers. That's going to be uh, the week week two matchup coming up here. So we'll get everything for you at the hub when everything is finalized. We'll get the lowdown on everything in terms of Gothenburg against Copenhagen in on the south, Stockholm against Vesteras in Division One North, and then obviously the clash of Orebro against Karlstad uh, in the Super Serie Dam. So in Sweden, uh, Mark, this is a this has always been a really exciting uh, uh, league to cover, almost as, almost as exciting as Finland because it is a week to week clash. Of you know each everybody kind of gets familiarized within one week to the next, and then four weeks in everybody pretty much knows each other, and then it becomes really grueling for the last three weeks or four weeks of the season. That sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, we have one international friendly that we got to let everybody know in Germany coming up here. Kreilsheim uh, Hurricanes. Uh, the teams will combine with the Tübingen uh, Red Knights and they will take on Salzburg Ducks. So that's going to be a pretty awesome uh, matchup there. And then Germany, Mark, uh, at the beginning of the hour, I said no, uh, no full season in Germany in terms of DBL1, but we do have DBL2, uh, DBL2 West and DBL2 Southwest uh, that will compete uh, this season. So we'll keep tabs on that uh, um, in terms of the slates, and I believe they go from – this August all the way down to, I uh, believe, the early November. So we'll keep tabs on everything happening in Germany. So the, the matchups this coming weekend on the 22nd, it is the Trier Stampers 
They will take it on Sarland Hurricanes, and the, and then it will be the uh, Etchen Vampires. We'll take it on the Mulchen uh, Shamrocks as well. And then SGSW, the uh, Solingen uh, Wolpertal combined team, will take on Manchengla uh, D-back Wolfpack team as well in Germany. So in Germany, Mark, unfortunately, everybody's disappointed, just like everybody in, in Mexico and obviously in, in Gridiron Australia not having a full season in terms of the top league. Yeah, it is disappointing that the you know the top league uh, isn't going to be competing, and but it is you know at least they've got um, uh, some football happening in uh, the uh, the second tier. It's interesting. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into into seeing how um, it was the Southwest uh, group and the West group um, um, got it together to to move ahead and play some games. Uh, so I'll, I'll definitely be digging into that and looking forward to uh, the rest of the season just getting underway now in Germany. Yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. We'll be covering it wall-to-wall. Uh, the best network on the planet exists at the Hub. If you didn't know it, you just need to go there, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. That's what we do. That's what we're all about. Um, this is what we our passion is. And so you go right there. You get the lowdown every week of what's happening in the sport. Uh, from everybody that contributes to us, photographers, network partners, as well as passionate average players and fans that contribute to us in terms of articles and links and things like that to bring attention to women's American football and the status of the sport in terms of a global scene as well. All right. If you missed our podcast, I don't know, uh, Mark, I'm pretty sure nobody should be missing our podcast now, eight years in. Everybody should be pretty much here on Tuesdays. But if you did miss it, obviously we got we got Dina Guidry, Last uh, 385 and Amanda Hellman of the WNFC champion, nine cup champions, the Texas Elite Spartans. Four, we had Angelita Furman of the D3 MVP of the Derby City Dynamite. And then the Grace Cooper of the Minnesota Vixen, the D1 MVP. And then 383, we had championship coach Chris Garza of the Storm in the house with MVP Sarah Colangelo. And then we had your Boston Renegades, Mark, Shante Bonds and Steph Pasquale also coming into the house. So, you go back, 384, 383, 385, check it out on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. So they should, everybody should be here Tuesdays, but if you're not, you can listen on your own dime, right? Yeah, get those replays, you know. That's what they're there for. All right, um, Mark, your Renegades uh, at the Massachusetts Statehouse. That's pretty cool. Uh, check that out. You can check it out at the, at the hub right there, but pretty awesome. Yeah, um, you know it's it's always awesome to um, get get recognition from the you know the the local um, uh, elected officials and uh, to be invited to meet the governor of the state. Yeah, it was really really special. Um, and uh, Governor Baker is a lot taller than I thought he was. Man, he was even taller than Redwood. Pretty tall. It makes the team look very small. I know. Um, It's like, you know, our players are not that small. He's just a really tall guy. Hey, Redwood Redwood is not small. No. And she seems pretty small, by the way. I know. She was definitely, you know, had to look up to to look at him in the eye. So, um, anyhow, we joke. But it it certainly was an honor, and uh, it – it's, uh, you know, I hope every team can get that kind of recognition from, you know, whether that's their mayor or, you know, 
There are local city council. Um, we've, uh, the renegades have been lucky enough to be invited to the Boston City Council chambers uh, every year since 2016, which was the second year uh, in their existence as the renegades. Uh, so uh, just you, you build relationships with people and, and it takes you places. It takes a lot of, uh, you know, it takes a lot of hard work and uh, persistence, you know, um, but it, it's definitely gone to the next level by getting an invitation from the governor's office, which is awesome. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's, a, it's basically community building, and I think eventually when you get to that state level where the you know, people at the Capitol understand your importance of your achievements, I think it really makes a big difference in terms of just getting an audience. I mean, the average uh, you know, person that lives in the state probably wasn't even aware that Boston Renegades existed, but, you know, having him blast it out on the, uh, you know, the, Ma the Massachusetts State House uh, Facebook page and all that, that really is impressive. Uh, oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure there are hundreds, if not thousands, of, of people who, who saw, you know, saw that, that post or, or a photo or something like that who, who didn't know that the Renegades even existed. So um, that's it's always a good thing. Yeah, I think we'll get engagement off of that. Hopefully, you know, uh, Molly and company will get some sort of uh, support and then obviously uh, more sponsors going forward as well. Um, if you didn't get the lowdown on the uh, BAFA NWFL, it's right there at the hub, uh, Southeast, uh, really good uh, starting point for the Southeast, London Warriors and Wembley Stall Stallions, 2-0, uh, and oh, good, good start. Central East, it was Norwich. One and one, uh, Peter, uh, Petersburg Royals and Leicester Falcons. Southwest, Portsmouth, 31 to zero against Cardiff. Uh, Central West, Birmingham Lions. So you get all the lowdown right there officially from the BAFA, the standings, and where everybody stands right now. We'll uh, get you updated on that as well. And then, uh, Mark, uh, uh, Congaldi got her surgery. So uh, out of surgery, speedy recovery from what I hear this morning. So uh, shout out to her and obviously D. Scott for. To, to get better for the 2022 season. And uh, D. Scott's still needing help. So you go to D. Scott uh, on there or you go to the D.C. Divas Football on Facebook and you can go and uh, also donate there to D. Scott on her recovery. Absolutely. You know, we want to have high-quality football. We want, uh, we want the best athletes on the field. We want to see competition. So uh, let's take care of each other. Uh, Mark, were you surprised that uh, uh, Las Vegas got Team of the Year? Is that was a surprise to you? Because I don't think it's shocking anybody uh, considering their turnaround. So that was pretty cool to, to see that at the Nine Cup weekend. Yeah, not really. You know, uh, I think they totally deserved it. You know, which is not to say that there aren't other teams that were also deserving. But I wasn't surprised in the least, to be honest with you. They've done a great job there. Yeah, I think that, that that's a, a really good, exciting thing for, for everybody to do that. Um, and and you know what? Uh, credit Carrie and uh, Chris and, and obviously Coach Dion Lee for that. We're going to be bringing on this uh, next – starting next week, we are going to have everybody uh, in terms of the WNFC awards, uh, everybody reached out to us. So we're booking them up for the next four weeks, almost eight weeks. So we are going to have in the house, we are going to have, uh, you know, uh, Rookie of the Year, Megan Lewis. Uh, we're going to get Kelly, Kelly Smith as well, uh, OG Griswold, the beast out in uh, Texas. 
as well. We're going to be getting the Florida Avengers in here in the house as well, the team uh, ownership of the year, and a lot of a couple other players as well. So, um, you know, we're a full house coming up in the next couple weeks as we mix in uh, the women's tackle football overseas global uh, news as well and the NFL preseason kickoff as well. So it's really exciting uh, in the next couple weeks. And then on top of that, we uh, should get league MVP Gina Madonna coming into the house. So, Mark, I mean, she deserved it. Uh, there was no other – there was no question there from week one to the final week. I, I think she, you know, obviously deserves it. Oh, yeah. She, you know, she was a force, uh, you know, got a lot of yards on the ground, and she was hard to hard to catch, you know. Definitely a fantastic player and uh, deserving of the award. And, I mean, it's really great to hear that, you know, she'll be coming on the show along with uh, – you know, a lot of the other stars from uh, the WNFC and uh, award winners. I mean, that's a fantastic development. It's just another reason why uh, this is the best podcast about women's football that you can find out there. So um, sounds like we're going to be having a lot of great content to listen to, which is awesome for me because I don't like to let go of, you know, my women's football season. Uh, even when the NFL starts, you know, I'm a women's football kind of guy. So it's awesome that we're going to be able to hear from from all these folks and um, just keep keep the good times rolling. Well, Mark, I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to come on, and then uh, we're going to kind of pick their brains on the NFL, and I'm pretty sure they'll have opinions on their NFL team as well. <laughs> so that's going to work out fun. That's, I mean, that's great. That's, that's you know, who better to ask, to, to be honest with you? Who better to ask about the NFL football than some of the football players we already know? All right, Mark. Uh, let's not forget uh, the salty one in the house here. And, uh, Mackenzie, uh, I don't know about you, but what did you think of your Cowboys in preseason? You know, Oscar, I really wasn't that upset about it. I'm not even going to lie. Like, yeah, we lost, but it's preseason. I'm not, like, super concerned about it. Um, I would like to see Dak get at least a quarter, you know, to get used to game speed. But, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, um, I'm not going to say babying him because he's hurt, you know, and he got a shoulder, that shoulder strain. But I need him to get some game reps before the first game of the season um, because, you know, he's coming off that injury. Uh, but my receiving core looks good. My defense, uh, even though it was, you know, second and third string, you know, rookies, my defense looks pretty damn good, but like, comparative to last season and the season before. So I'm kind of – I'm more excited to see how the defense has improved rather than anything. Yeah, I think it's, uh, the, the the anticipation will be that because I think uh, everybody's on, on the Prescott return wagon and they, they anticip- they're anticipating, obviously, to have a good success. But I, I believe the defense is going to be the question mark that everybody's going to anticipate whether that's going to work out or not. Um, I mean, if you talk, to, if you talk week one, um, if you're a Lions fan, Mackenzie, I guess you're kind of excited for Jared Goff at this point. I mean, I don't think you have a choice but to be excited. 
uh, you know, because it's it's a change. You know, it, it's a it's a change. It's a it's a change all across the board. Quarterback style, quarterback, you know, tempo, offensive tempo. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, all these new quarterbacks and you know all these changes and all these teams are going to work out. But like you said, if you're a Lions fan, you're you you should be excited, but you should also be kind of like. You know, I mean, you've had Matthew Stafford for how, you know, a, a long time. Like, you've had Matthew Stafford back there running the offense and the tempo for the past decade or so. And now you have Jared Goff, who came from, you know, the L.A. Rams to Detroit. Completely different type of quarterback. So, you're excited, but you're also, you know, kind of using him as a comparison to what y'all are used to. Yeah, no, and if you're in – Pittsburgh at this point, uh, Mac, uh, if you're, if you're worried about Roethlisberger, I I guess Dwayne Haskins has got to give you some confidence. Again, you know, and the whole Dwayne Haskins, um, pickup rather, not really trade, but a pickup, the Dwayne Haskins pickup was interesting to me because, you know, after, after Washington released him, he was kind of sitting in that, in that limbo, in that limbo stage for like probably even a month or so, maybe a little more. And then, you know, Pittsburgh decided to pick him up. And I I think he's going to be that third string behind um, Mason Rudolph. So, I mean, and and to be honest, Brett Hopkins looked pretty good in a Steelers uniform with that different kind of, um, you know, mid-fast-paced tempo they got running over there. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to see if, if they're going to give him, like, meaningful game time snaps. Um, I think it's, I think the QB2 spot's going to be a little bit closer than what we think. Um, I think Mason Rudolph is going to have kind of good for his money, to be honest. Yeah, and I really think that that's, that's good for Pittsburgh fans because then you have a number two and a number three that could probably step in if Roethlisberger somehow goes down. So you have an opportunity to kind of have a you know a sigh of relief in that sense, where you got one or two guys right behind them. Um, if you're Denver, uh, Mac, you got uh, you got to flip a coin, I guess, between Drew Luck and Teddy Bridgewater. If I'm Denver, I'm putting te- I'm I'm putting Teddy Bridgewater back there. To be honest, um, he's got the veteranship. He's got the experience. Um, I mean, he's played for you know he's he's had meaningful seasons on on many different teams, and I think that kind of experience is going to help him in the long run when it comes to hopefully getting that QB one spot over there in Denver. Um, and if Drew Locke does end up having to go back to the bench, I don't think it's going to hurt him any. I think anything at this point um, is going to help him rather. Um, I mean, because you you never know, like you really you really never know. But I think at this point you have to put Teddy Bridgewater back there to start. Yeah, you would take Bridgewater over Drew Luck at this point? Is that is that what you're saying? Because, I mean, with the issues in, in, with Luck, I think, uh, you know, you have this confidence thing where you don't think you're that confident with this guy. So I think, uh, to your point, yeah, uh, maybe Denver, you know, Bronco fans are going to probably accept the Bridgewater as, as you're saying right now. 
Yeah, and now, like I said, I'm, if, if I'm Drew Locke, I'm not getting discouraged, you know, because I'm in my second or third season with the Broncos. You know, I've, I've you know, I'm almost on that fourth season of my rookie contract. You know, I've, I've, I was kind of thrown in there. You know, I, I got a taste of what it is, but in order for them to improve, you know, in order for them to excel, I think you have to start. I think you have to start Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's the better option given his success so far and what he's done in the past. Uh, maybe you go with him, especially what he what he did in New Orleans as well and Minnesota. So um, maybe that's the the tea that you know the cup of tea that needs to go there. If if you're a Colts fan right now, uh, Mac, you gotta be just completely either pissed or completely just vomiting because you. You for for one, you thought Carson Wentz was here, and if you're a Philly fan, you're just like completely just laughing at these Colts. Oof! If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm I'm forever thankful that Doug Peterson decided to put Jalen Hurts in the reins back there. If I'm a Colts fan, I'm a little worrisome at this point because okay, we pick we we you know we get Carson Wentz off the trade. He does all the OTAs, you know, shoots the knockout against his defensive lineman that we all saw, you know, we're having a good time in training, then he gets hurt. And now he's out for six weeks with that foot injury. So mm-hmm. if I'm a Colts it's fan, a while now. you know, if, if, if I'm the – yeah, exactly. If, if I'm the Colts, I'm unfortunately already leery um, and season hasn't started yet. And then you you have two basically unknowns in Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. Uh, so at this going to be one of them two battling it out. Um, Eason did close out pretty good in, in to, with the score with the touchdown drive, and then uh, Ellinger obviously led to the Colts win with the combination of, of good arm strength and rushing prowess. So more than likely, maybe they'll go with Ellinger at this point based on his Week One performance. We'll see what the next two weeks looks like, but that's. One of the things that will happen there. Um, what else do we have on here? Uh, Carolina uh, Carolina depth chart. So you had uh, Chubba Hubbard uh, right behind Christian McCaffrey. So if you're a Panthers fan, uh, a dual backfield is not going not gonna to hurt you at all. It's going to pretty make you uh, pretty exciting to have that option as well. Yeah, you know, and kind of going back to the Colts here for a second, if, if I'm the Colts offensive coordinator and head coach at this point, I think I think I'm going to let Sam Ellinger and, and Jacob Eason duel it out because they're kind of in the same position. You know, they both came in off, of, you know, both rookies at this point this season, um, and you know, they both have good arms. You know, Jacob Eason did a pretty good job when he was at Georgia, and then you know went to Washington. Sam Ellinger has held has held those reins over in Texas for the past four or five seasons. Um, they both have about the same arm strength, same speed, same elegance, a little shorter, a um, little bit quicker, better pack, pocket passer. But Jacob Eason has a big arm, um, so it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a QB duel over there in Indianapolis. Um, you know, we're taking it over to Carolina. You have that dual threat, triple threat monster back there named Christian McCaffrey, and then you have you know Chuba Hubbard right behind him. I think Chuba Hubbard's going to. I think they're going to turn Chuba Hubbard into that that big, powerful, blocking, you know, lead dive, you know, lead dig, full fullback. You know, obviously they're going to get him, you know, get him the ball for those, you know, short runs, goal line runs. Um, 
but I think that the two dual speed dual speed power package of Chuba Hubbard and Christian McCaffrey is going to do wonders uh, for Carolina. It's just making sure that you know they have the quarterback package and the O line package to supplement both their talents. Now, if you're Miami uh, Mac at this point, you have Ga- uh, Gaskin and Brown as an as options, but I mean at this point, I, uh, Brown got got to do got the most of the snaps. So, is it an opportunity here where they're going to duke it out? Or, I mean, I don't know how Miami's going to treat this. So, is it going to be Gaskin or is it going to be Brown? And um, I'm pretty sure in the next two weeks we'll figure that out. But uh, it's something to kind of like keep an eye on because uh, both talented. But I, I believe Malcolm Brown's probably a lot more versatile than Gaskin. Hmm. You know, I kind of have to agree with you. I can't. I, I see them both as equal right now. I don't see real. I don't see one really outdoing the other. Um, I do think Malcolm Brown, however, has a little bit more of an edge because of how he came into the NFL um, and the monster numbers that he put up in college. So it's going to be interesting over there in uh, Miami. It's going to be real interesting. I'm kind of excited to see it. All I know is uh, Jacob Harris is is really a thing, and I'm liking it, and I really think this kid's going to do well. And he led all receivers with four catches for 43 yards. He um, just really good, and so uh, I think for a tight end mentality there, I, I think he's going to do great things. And hopefully, you know, he gets an opportunity to do that. So uh, you know, I'm excited to see what Harris is going to do there. And then you also have uh, on the other side, since uh, Julio Jones is gone. The Falcons uh, have a you know tight end rookie, uh, which is Kyle Pitts, um, and so you know without Hulu Jones up there, I don't know what uh, Smith is going to do in terms of figuring out who their weapons is going to be. So uh, the Falcons have some question marks in terms of who they're going to put on on that position. Uh, to be honest, I think it's going to be Kyle Pitts. I don't think they have a mm-hmm. choice at this point. Um, I don't see I them. I, there's 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 no second string person that was behind Julio Jones that really stuck out to me last season or even the season before. But Kyle Pitts was tearing it up over in Florida. I mean, him and Kyle, Kyle, the Kyle, the dual Kyle and Kyle package, Kyle Trash and Kyle Pitts over there at US Florida, the you know Gatorville, uh, were tearing it apart. And Kyle Pitts is built like a damn receiver, but he's a tight end. And to be honest, I think he could probably double as tight end receiver package. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, easily. No question there. Yeah, I just don't see, you know, I just don't see them, like, I just don't see anybody else who was behind um, Julio Jones the past couple seasons you know, that could step up and do the same types of things he was doing, except Kyle Pitts in Kyle Pitts, is a, you know, as a rookie. So it, it's just going to be interesting to see at this point, they don't have a choice, but to play him if they want to, you know, start to be successful and start to do it at a quick, quick rate. Yeah. I mean, the, the opportunity is there for them to make some, make some uh, changes and, and see what they come about. Um, we got the uh, Nate Ward in the house. We got about seven minutes to get out of here, but 
Uh, Nate, what, what's your uh, assessment of the Seahawks against the Raiders? Uh, there's a lot of work to be done. And, and I know that they're, you know, they're, they're going for second and third string. We're not looking at starters here. But it just it, – it felt more like, you know, it, it, it was like almost if you look at a new team versus the seasoned veterans, you know, because I – the Raiders look like they could do no wrong. Those guys came to play, especially, you know, the first time having a, a full crowd inside their home venue. The the, the Seahawks, I, like I was telling my wife, I, I wouldn't want them to have my back going into battle. It was awful. It was awful. The only thing I saw it's that only was highlighted one, me. It's only week one, Nate. Just calm down because I'm in the same boat you are with my Rams. And then, uh, <laughs> you know what? That, that was the reason – uh, we started beating down the Charger fans because we just felt like it. It was, like, ridiculous. But, yeah, that's us, I guess, in Southern Fair. Cal. Fair. I will say Dallas looked great in, in, in terms of um, executing on any carry that he had, especially when he got through on that on, on that one breakaway for the touchdown. He He looked stellar, and, I mean – I'd have to see how it goes the next couple of weeks, but I, I think easily he could be, you know, in line to maybe try to compete for a starter position. I, I have that much yeah, confidence than him just because of how he looked that good. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Mac, what do you say of the crapshoot that is the Texas, the Houston Texans? What do you think it's going to happen there? I mean, the fact that Deshaun Watson is still there is very – interesting to me just because of you know all the allegations and the the case that's going on and the fact that they still have not paid this man which is crazy to me to even think about and then when you you know you think about it even more they don't have jj watt anymore which is but they have davis mills davis mills is going to fill that bill for deshaun watson sure sure yeah Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. If that's what you want, then you fill your little heart's desire with all the hope and prayers you can. I think that's going to be no, though. He he did convert two third downs, though, so we're good. <laughs> we're good. When in doubt, put Davis Mills in. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 yeah. going to yeah. be the elixir. It's going to be the elixir to fix the Houston Texans. Holy cow. Oh, my goodness. Hell, my yeah, Dallas Cowboys are in a better position at this point. Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're good. Yeah. Houston, a mess. <laughs> That's all we can say right now after week one. <laughs> Probably not going to look very good. Um, mm. what, do, what do I go here? Oh, let me just go here uh, b- between the two of you before we get out of here because uh, we, we have – Holly's not here, but let's just, let's just dive in. If you're selling – Trey Lance jerseys already by the boatload. Uh, do, does that send the message to Jimmy G that obviously he's on kind of like short-term <laughs> sustainability? Oh no doubt. I mean, I think Jimmy G is about yeah. I think Jimmy G is about to have a run for his whole money. If you want to be want me to be honest with you, uh, you know, because this this podcast is truthful here, Oscar. You know how we do. You, me, mm-hmm. Nate, Mark. Yep. You know. Holly, Louise, Troy, all you know, the Chelsea, you know, Gabriel, all of us, you know, we are all truthful. And most of us ladies on here have played this game. And we watch the game and analyze it. 
Jimmy G got to run for his money coming up because Trey Lance is the dude. Like, he is the new shiny thing on the block, and he showed just with the the first series that he's about that life. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think if you're a Niner fan, just like Holly is right now, I think you're excited for five, not so much for ten anymore. It's kind of like run. It's, it's just wore down already. And then you're in that NFC uh, NFC West where you have no idea what Seattle's going to turn out to be at this point. You still have Russell Wilson, and you got Stafford down below, and you got a good defense. Arizona has always owned you. Um, so I mean, if you're Shanahan, I, I think reality will sink in really quick after like three weeks in. If Jimmy D struggles, uh, there will be no question you put in Trey Lance. Absolutely, and, and I, I, I'm going to piggyback off you and say, I think at this point, because you don't have C.J. Beathard anymore, you mm-hmm. have to give – You, I'm not going to say you have to give, but you're almost highly inclined to put Trey Lance in that second spot because, because oh, yeah. C.J. Beathard was in that second spot and was in that first spot a couple years ago when Jimmy G got hurt. So – you already know that you have that second spot open now with, with C.J. Beathard, you know, being, you know, having, having been gone now. And, it, and it, with, if they didn't if, – if, if the 49ers wouldn't have drafted uh, Trey Lance, he would have gone somewhere else and been in the same exact position. He'd have been in the same exact position to be a number two somewhere right now as a rookie straight up, fresh out of college, out of, you know, North Dakota State. Like straight up, like that's that's not that's not favoritism. That that's pure talent. That's pure. That's him. Like he came out of there just like Carson Wentz did. In fact, he's right. a little bit better than Carson Wentz. He just had a whole season taken from him because of COVID. I think if he yeah, would have no, had a totally whole agree. season, agree. this would be a completely different story. Yeah, totally agree. I, I just I think if you're a San Francisco fan right now, you're giddy to get five in the lineup and to get him in there as quickly as possible, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. I think Jimmy was fine, but I don't think anybody, if you ask any Niner fan, no Niner fan is going to jump in and go, yeah, we really want Jimmy now. That'll be the excitement where Trey Lance, yeah, let's get him in, right? Let's see what we can do, right? It's just it's going to a totally different atmosphere, a totally different atmosphere at Levi Stadium. All right, guys, uh, we got a couple minutes here, so – if you guys haven't uh, checked out the hub, I don't know where you've been or where you're at, but go to the hub. Got everything right there. Breakdown. We're going to talk NFL as well. Get the lowdown on preseason week two. We're going to dive into uh, week three as we come in next week. And if you missed any of our podcasts, over 300 podcasts, go right there. You can subscribe on Apple and download over 300. So, and don't forget to check us out on uh, Twitter at Gridiron Beauty and sign up for Monkey Night Fight. Uh, you can get a free. $5 play up to $100, especially with uh, the NFL season coming up here in about three weeks. So go check it out. All right, uh, so, Mac, thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, Nate, also as well, uh, for the absent, uh, Mark Simone, for coming in here and giving us the lowdown in the international plate. And also, thanks to uh, Kerry Walters and Coach Dion Lee, the WNFC Team of the Year, uh, coming in here to uh, give them their shout-outs as well. So, uh, I don't know, you guys, I'm pretty excited for this next week. Hopefully my Rams will improve and then uh, we'll have a great week two to talk about for next week. So uh, for Oscar, for the uh, absent uh, Holly Custis, Oscar Lopez here uh, with the Salty One and Nate Ward. See you. Catch you next week for 387. Be here.
Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.